Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 15 of Real Blend, a podcast that John Cena will not let you sleep with on prom night. My name is Sean O'Connell. I am the managing director here at Cinema Blend, and it is my pleasure to introduce my two regular and ridiculously entertaining co-hosts in their Real Blend chairs, Mr. Kevin McCarthy, entertainment reporter for Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Kevin, how are you? Good good afternoon to you, Sean. I'm actually looking forward now to, every week to the pun you're going to use when you uh, enter the show because honestly, I am a fan of really corny bad puns. So right. that, that do them yeah, every week, was, please. I thought that was good. That wasn't good. No, 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 no. I like them because they're so bad. They're so good. Oh, good. All right, That's I'll take that. I like them. <laughs> well, and in addition to Kevin, we have Mr. Jake Hamilton, entertainment reporter for Fox 32 in Chicago. Jake, hello. Sean, I like your puns because I just think they're genuinely good. Let me tell you. So guess who just got more airtime on Real Blend? (laughs) Jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's challenging. I'm a punny person, so puns all day long is my thing. Puns all day long. If you happen to be joining us for the very first time, we are a live podcast on the Cinema Blend Network. Welcome. We're happy to have you guys with us. Some of you might be watching us on Facebook Live uh, right now. Hello. The rest of you could be listening via download in iTunes or Spotify or Google Play and all of the places that... uh, Podcasts can be downloaded. We welcome you all, and we ask you guys to throw us a star rating or a review on all those different portals. We really appreciate it. It helps a ton with Apple. Um, every little bit helps. And we also have a Twitter page. Today is the yeah, first day that we, we launched the Real Blend Twitter feed. It is at Real Blend, R-E-E-L, um, Real Blend. And uh, you can follow us there for all the information on the show. So um, that's uh, that's our exciting news for today. I have to say, I feel so excited, I, and I don't know if it's still the case, but when I checked it earlier, I saw the Real Blend Twitter account only followed the three of us, and I've never yeah. been part of like that exclusive. You know, remember when like The Rock only followed Muhammad Ali, or, yeah. or, or KFC like only follows the five Spice Girls and then six guys named Herb? Uh, Herb. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right. Yeah. Like, I feel yeah. like I'm a part of a very exclusive... Now, if we start following a bunch of people, I feel significantly less special, but for a moment, well, I feel kind of cool. Well, Jake, let me take that moment away from you because oh, it's not—it's—it's—it's it's, 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 it's not, it's not just you, me, and Sean. Now there's a little have... guy named Gabe that they're following as well. The audience wonders whether or not producer Gabe is even real. That's part of why I did it. I wanted to sort of prove that he's an actual person who's out oh, there. Oh, because Twitter accounts prove that. I, I, dude, come on. Twitter accounts yeah. are the are the least solid proof that someone is a real person. Good yeah. point. By Good the point. way. If you go to Real Blend's Twitter account, which is just Real Blend, R-E-E-L-B-L-E-N-D, just follow Gabe. Gabe's our producer who puts together our show every single week. Uh, He's the one who builds all the graphics and is kind of cutting back and forth between our camera shots. So, If you uh, are a Russian bot, please give Gabe a follow. (laughs) (laughs) So later on in the show today, we are going to play one of our most favorite games, um, something that has been the... uh, the benchmark of the podcast so far through 15 episodes we take someone that we love we put hashtag their name and blend and then we debate over the best film by this person and today we're trying something wildly different um, in that we're getting away from directors and we're picking an actor and uh to really mess with jake's uh mind we picked tom hanks who is his favorite actor i think he's your favorite actor isn't he yeah since since i was a kid he's uh He's the person that whenever I first got into the entertainment business and started interviewing people, he was my white whale. He was the right. guy that, that I had to have interviewed before I died on this earth. But I'm lucky enough to say that I have multiple times at this point. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, and so, have a picture. Uh, your stuff. picture with him is your picture. It's with him my it's my favorite. We're, I think we're all of us are fortunate enough here in, in, in Real Blend to have met many people and, and fortunately have many pictures with people. Um, but that one's my favorite because his arms around me and it says that he loves me. <laughs> well, before we get to that, let's start with some news where we always like to start the podcast. And I want to start with Ready Player One box office. We were uh, yes hard for Steven Spielberg's latest yes. adaptation of Ernie Klein's film. Uh, we're really happy to report that the film did 53 million in the United States, an additional 127 million overseas for 180 million total. Um, you know, by Spielberg's standards, especially if after his last few movies, which were dramas, movies like The Post, um, Lincoln, films like that, they didn't have huge openings. This was Spielberg back in blockbuster territory. Yeah. Um, I would assume you guys think it's going to continue on at the second weekend, don't you assume? Yeah. No, I do not think it's going to be number one. Oh, really? Really? I think yeah, it, well. I think it I think it loses out to a quiet place. I think a quiet place is going to be much stronger than you guys think it is. Really? I think a quiet place opens strong. Okay. I think it'll open strong, but I don't think it'll open more than twenty million. Oh yeah, I, dude. I, I'd say really? I'd say a quiet house high twenties, low thirties. Really? Dude, we're, like, dude. I, I think we're we're working with it. Remember, it's another Bloom House. I think we're I think we're dealing with another Bloom House sleeper. Wait, I mean, listen, I think I'm, we'll get to Quiet Place soon, and I think it'll definitely do well. I, I just don't I don't feel a crazy buzz for it like I did for Ready Player One or uh, not mean going back to Black Panther. But but uh, it is Spielberg's biggest opening in 10 years, which is, you know, obviously makes sense considering what Sean just said about the mm-hmm. idea that besides Tintin, everything he was doing essentially was very historical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how well Tintin did in the United States. I think it did pretty well internationally, but um because they are making another one i think spielberg definitely said that peter jackson is going to be doing the second one years i don't know i know well you know we'll see what happens but yeah i don't i think i don't know i i, I didn't know that quiet place was tracking that well, high is and that, I, I, I don't say, know honestly i have not seen tracking I, I i it's not based off of any inside knowledge i have i've okay. just got a feeling just you know I, I think a lot of times we sleep on horror movies and i think so many times horror movies come out and end up opening bigger than we think they're going to. Um, well, and that, they are putting this in 3,500 theaters. That's a yeah. huge oh, opening. And so. it's a quick 90 minutes. So talk about a turnaround as opposed to Ready Player One, which is almost clocks in at, what, 222? You know, yeah. almost. So, it can, you know, you can, get in, you can get in a, a few more runs of, of A Quiet Place. I could be wrong. We'll, we'll, we'll update this uh, next week. But if I had to put money down, I'd, I'd put it on A Quiet Place this weekend. Well, also, A Quiet Place has 100% of Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it has great word yeah. of mouth. Uh, the reviews have been great for it. Uh, I've seen it. Jake's seen it. Um, and you know, we'll get into that in a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, maybe you're right. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember how big Get Out opened. I don't remember its opening weekend numbers. It but opened I mean, in, its thir- that, in, the, in the 30s, I think. That movie had a big, yeah, that movie had a lot yeah. of legs. So I guess the question back to what Sean said is how many uh, is the legs that this movie will have. If it doesn't necessarily stay in the number one spot, I think it's going to continue making a good amount of money through Avengers. In my I opinion. read we'll somewhere see. that Ready Player One has to make $450 million to be profitable. That seems high. I saw that. Yeah, I don't know what those numbers, where they're coming from. I, I know like the actual production budget was somewhere, under, was, I don't know. Was it I, like thought, I thought I read 175 That's okay. what I thought too. But then you, have, then you have produ- promotion, produ- marketing, you have all that kind of stuff. Are they saying that they spent... Two hundred fifty million dollars on marketing. I mean, that's I, I don't, that's, I, don't so. I don't know. I'm, I don't understand where they get for it. And I think I saw something similar. And I never understand where they get that number from. But it's not yeah. a flop. We were worried that it might fall on its face, and it's definitely not that. Well, the no. initial tracking had it at like thirty five million for its opening weekend, and then you know obviously it blew away that. I mean, you could you you literally could see the shift in that what happened with that movie. The first two trailers were were not great, uh, and then South by Southwest happened. 
It exploded. Reviews came out. Reactions were great. Third trailer hits. Amazing. Dreamer trailer. Uh, and then the reviews hit. And actually, it doesn't sit that well on Rotten Tomatoes, but uh, in regards to like the percentages, like it's like a 78 or 80%. Which it's is, not bad. You know, I know, oh. but, but it's, I find it interesting, though. Today I was watching something. like I can't remember what movie it was. It was, it was one of the best movies of all time, and it had like a 60-something percent of Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, what? I, I, was, I was trying to figure out the, the percentage of that, so I don't really take that too seriously in, in regards to like how great the movie is overall, but I understand how big of a deal it is. So um, I want to get to uh, Colin Trevorrow being hired to take over Jurassic World 3. Um, no. This is, all, right. all right, hold on. Wait, if John wait, okay, Favreau so... is cheese pizza, Colin Trevorrow is a grilled cheese. All right, so wait a but second. But grilled so... cheese is better than cheese pizza. J.A. Bayona is directing this summer's <laughs> no, Fallen this Kingdom. And... Who I love. Right, and so I mean, my look at that concern poster is... Behind you. Ah, oh, there's Monster Calls. I love Bayona so much. Um, and my my point being is, does this mean? Am I reading too much into this? Does this mean Fallen Kingdom isn't that good? Because if it was really good, wouldn't they lock him up for the third one? Like, why would they go back to Trevorrow? I know Trevorrow had huge success with the first movie, and maybe he has an idea to finish it. But when Trevorrow gets booted off of Episode uh, Nine, you know, JJ has to sort of step in and save that franchise i don't know so it's just weird that trevorrow loses star wars and then picks up jurassic world 3 well after trevorrow directed jurassic world i was very worried for episode 9 i mean like first of all i think jurassic world while it was a box office success so was avatar um i didn't think it was a great film i i Oddly enough, I rewatched Jurassic Park the other day, uh, and the effects in that movie, as I've said it a million times before, have looked better than Jurassic World, which is incredibly crazy if you think about how long ago Jurassic Park came did, out in Did you not like the story? Did you just not like the story of Jurassic no, World? No. I, I also thought that they completely toned down Chris Pratt. I thought okay. Pratt was very flat in the movie. I agree uh, with I, that. I, I, Pratt? I, I yeah. Pratt. I, I thought, Pratt. Honestly, the only <laughs> Chris thing in that... Yeah, the only thing in that movie that I thought was actually engaging and entertaining was was that CGI dinosaur named Blue. I mean, like I, that 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 was that was it from was it, it was Blue, right? That was the name yep. of his little yeah. The, yeah. So to me, that was the only thing that I found like emotionally connected to for some weird reason. Everything else just seemed flat. It was too CGI. The only animatronic dinosaur they used was that one that was laying down and dying. Um, that one looked cool because it was real. Um, but other than that, yeah, I I, I think Trevorrow is overrated in the sense of. That and you say did not guarantee was great. I like that movie a lot. It was it was good. I mean, great's kind of a strong word. It was very good. The ending was very good. (laughs) But I I, after Jurassic World, I was like, please do not give him episode nine. And they obviously they did took it away because they know. I think I think they took it away because one, Book of Henry wasn't well received, and two, uh, Jurassic World wasn't that good. So I don't know why they're giving him. I also read that they have a lot of lot of problems with the script. Whatever story he had ready to go for episode nine apparently was not though then again kathleen kennedy was all thumbs up for last jedi and and uh two-thirds of the people on this podcast are uh, <laughs> not massive last jedi fans and and so that's why I, I, I don't know i i could see uh the director of fallen kingdom maybe just not wanting i mean it's the biggest movie he's done in his career maybe he just didn't want to do another one go because i'd imagine as soon as fallen kingdom comes out they're gonna have to start pre-production on jurassic world 3 Right. And maybe he didn't want to go straight in, in the same way that Abrams didn't want to go straight from episode seven and episode eight. You know, maybe he just right. needed a hot second to breathe. I, I wouldn't take it as a slight on Fallen Kingdom because, in my opinion, the Fallen Kingdom looks significantly better than the original Jurassic World. Um, 
But uh, I also don't necessarily. I I think there's a certain comfort with Trevor O where they just know they're going to get what 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 they're going to get. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. Jurassic, Jurassic World was was passable. It was fine. It wasn't it was like fine. yeah, it was fine, and it'll which, make which, money. Which, right, but which, fine is really it's yeah. it's honestly fine is more frustrating than horrible yeah. or great. Right. Like it's like it's like where like why why is it so flat? It's less fun to review. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, the director you're mentioning, Boyana, um, obviously Monster Calls, but we've seen what he can do with CG. Yeah. I mean, impo- Impossible. Oh um, my god, I, don't I love that, the Impossible. I yeah, love and that budget wasn't that it. wasn't that huge, but it looked phenomenal because yeah, yeah, he could yeah. he because he utilized it yeah. well. And he he discovered to... a young Tom Holland. Right. So he, I mean, like to that me movie's great. is a successor to what Spielberg does. I mean, he yeah, does emotion and tentpole blockbuster effects, and I think he's totally. incredible. Yeah, yeah. And impossible. Um, what, what, what was Impossible's budget? I, I bet you it was less than seventy-five million, and, and that looked and it looked amazing. Like, um, I mean, I'll, like it was really good. I want to bring up a topic that Jake brought up, which is the fact that uh, two-thirds of you guys don't like Last Jedi, and Last Jedi is out on Blu-ray and DVD, allowing uh, most of us to revisit it. Kevin, you haven't seen it a second time. That's right. No, I, I again, I, I'll, yeah, I've only seen it one time, and I will say, and I've been the person in the past who said you should watch a movie for a second time to get a to get a second thing, and that was in reference to Get Out. But I loved Get Out the first time. I was mentioning Get Out because it, it it was a new, it was a new, it was a visually different the second time around. Like as you know, the twist. But with Last Jedi, the things I didn't like in Last Jedi, I have a hard time imagining that I'm gonna somehow now love them but i will watch it again i'll give it another shot no problem um but my second my first viewing of that film i was very disappointed well you go back to some of our old episodes and realize that one of the first uh topics that we did on an early early podcast was reviewing the last jedi and all of us had big problems with it i rewatched it and i just wrote a piece for cinema blend that you can find on the site where i i am now saying flat out that i was wrong (laughs) i was wrong to be as hard on it as i was because i see it through a different light and my point with that was this um when i watched it the first time and i think that this applies to um big ticket movies like infinity war um and probably solo to a certain extent where we write about them and we track their progress for a year or two even um, we come up with all of these questions that we want answered by the film and then when they are answered by the film we're either disappointed in the answer that we get or, or it sinks up with what we kind of thought we were going to get and last jedi totally um subverts the answers that we that i thought i was going to get from that movie so for the second viewing i was able to literally sit back and see it as the movie that i think ryan johnson wanted us to see the first time through and it just worked a lot better for me. I, I'm not saying it didn't still have problems. I think floating Leia is still a really bad scene. I think Ugh. the Canto bite stuff is, while it's while it wasn't as annoying to me that sub that uh, sort of uh, distraction through that sequence. And I still think the horses that they ride through the casino is an unfinished effect and and embarrassing by ILM standards. A lot of the stuff with Luke worked better. The Kylo Ray stuff worked a lot better. Once I'm prepared for this fact that Snoke is going to get dismissed in such a in such a fashion, I understand it in the context of this movie better. And um, I, w- when I saw it as Ryan trying to say like, Star Wars fans have to almost give up on on everything that they've held on to for this long for us to move forward. No. Um, that to me seems like the bigger message of that movie. No, here's my problem with that film, and and it, what's, what's interesting is there are a lot, there's a lot that I like about that movie, and I've said it before on the podcast, and I'm sure Jake will say uh, that he has things he likes as well. The Kylo Ray stuff was phenomenal. Uh, there was great 
Ness in that movie. I mean, Oscar Isaac's fantastic. Laura Dern's arc is amazing. Um, the problem with the film is that you can't... I mean, here's the thing. Whatever J.J. set up in episode 7, all Ryan's doing is basically saying, screw that, and I know what you want in the audience, but I'm not going to give that to you. And if this was just a standalone Star Wars film as itself, and there was nothing behind it, nothing going forward, that I think that what he did could work. The problem is, is that, in my opinion, it's screams pretentious uh i think that he's looking i I felt like i was looking uh, at a a picture of ryan johnson looking at me going i'm not going to give you that answer that you want i'm not giving you this i'm not giving you this i'm not giving you this you want this you want this it felt like i was being told to forget everything that i had built in my life through star wars also you can't just toss away everything jj worked on in seven seven had questions that required answers and or kind of continuation of those storylines right. and it just completely threw that out and i think that's ridiculous as a filmmaker if you're going to make a movie like this do it on its own not don't mess with what's already been set in the groundwork that's a problem for me jakey jakey yeah you know i i don't think he was doing anything maliciously i don't think he was setting out to say screw you to the audience or set up right. a bait and switch but i do feel like he just inherently was not interested in the questions that jj abrams raised which I do feel like is a problem, especially hearing right. about the fact that neither he nor Abrams sat down and said, okay, here's, here's what we're going to do. Here's the long-term plan. And I think, I, you know, I, I get frustrated when people say, well, like, you're just mad because it didn't answer the questions that you wanted to answer. And I go, well, no, because these are the questions that episode that seven JJ. told me I should be <laughs> asking. So right. whenever I am intrigued because I'm told, here's what you need to pay attention to. And then a new director comes along and goes, no, 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 no. Forget all of that stuff. Here's some new stuff to pay attention to. Porgs. Then it's just that we're then we're playing a different territory. We all need to get on the same page. If if episode eight is is the feel that we're gonna get, then that's fine. Then then get on the same page. But someone should have sat down and had a powwow about about the direction. But then I'm even more I'm even more fascinated that JJ has to pick up the baton. I Next. agree with that. I, I, I do think that there's a massive possibility that episode nine is going to change my perspective of episode eight. Or at this new trilogy could just be one of those movies where I like uh, seven and nine and eight's that really weird experimental one where they tried stuff. I do think age will change this one for me. But right now, as just uh, it's right now for two years, it has to exist in this weird position of following a movie that I loved and not yet having a potential follow-up. Uh, so the, the next year and a half or so that it exists, it's going to exist very strangely in my heart. But okay. Ryan could have done this experiment with his side Star Wars. Like, like you're messing with... But he didn't know he was going to get... He didn't, and he, well, here's the thing. I'm not saying Ryan Johnson maliciously did that, but it just felt pretentious to me. And, and listen, I think Ryan Johnson's a brilliant filmmaker, brick, looper, all great movies, Brothers, Brothers Bloom. I, I actually love him as a filmmaker. Uh, I just don't know what happened here. And I remember walking out of that movie, and I text Jake and I were having a whole text discussion. I was like afraid to tell Jake. I was like, uh, is, is it my okay that I feel this way? Like, dude, I, I really was a dude. How do you think I feel? Weird. I was at the premiere, walking yeah. around with people who were, you like, know, and you guys that? know how premieres can be. Premieres, people tend to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit. But I remember people running around like, isn't this the greatest Star Wars you've ever seen? And I was like, what? Freaking and movie I, did you just see? And Jake and I didn't hate Jedi. No, I think Jake, I think Jake and I were very yeah. much 
I mean, we, I still recommended yeah. the film. Okay, Kevin, give it another shot. Kevin, I want Kevin to give it another shot. I want you to give it another shot. Give it another bit. Um, give it another try because I want to see what you think after a second try. I'm um, talking about trying something experimental and uh, wildly different. The Russo brothers have Avengers Infinity War coming out. We are less than a month away from being able to say that we are watching Infinity War. And today on Twitter, they asked Marvel fans, not for opening weekend, but for several weeks or months following Good luck to with that. stay off social media and not ruin it for other people who are who are going to go see it. And I'll, I'll let you in on a few things that I've heard from some other from other people like this is part of the reason why they're not they're not going to screen the movie before the junket. It's just going to have the premiere. Um, and from what I've heard, um, there's so many things that's going to happen between Infinity War and Avengers 4 that most of Marvel, most of the voices important to Marvel are going to be like, they're going to be off the grid for a year. They're just going to disappear because they don't want to talk about anything. They just want it. They want infinity war to be its movie. They want Avengers four to come. And that's going to be the culmination of the MCU as we know it right now. And it's going to be something different afterwards. But uh, yeah, you guys think that they will be able to pull this off or is social media just too powerful and, and there's going to be too many other tools out there. That I, mean, I mean, there's nothing for them to, to pull off once the movie's out there. It's, it's upon us. And I think if, if history has proven anything, it's that if you, I mean, it's, it's like if you're playing with fire, I'm always amazed when people get mad that they've stumbled across a spoiler on the internet while looking up things about a movie that they've yet to see. Like if, if I, my argument is like, yeah, I agree. Like, don't just, I mean, the, the letter from the Russo brothers boils down to don't, don't be a jerk. Don't like openly post stuff. But I also, it's, it's also upon us as fans to not start poking around in places where we shouldn't be poking around. Don't start watching interviews with a cast or watching, you know, get watching, you know, set visits and watching this. If you genuinely don't <clears> want stuff, the spoiled. comment sections, stay yes, out the stay comment off, yeah, sections. Stay off of Reddit, stay off of, you know, all the movie discussion websites. If you yeah. haven't seen the film yet. And if you don't, and then you stumble across something, someone that died that you didn't want to know. That's on you, brother. That's There's a great that. spoiler in Ready Player One. Um, I still won't talk about it, but the scene that they go into, I didn't yeah. know it. And it was delightful yeah. to not know it. It was 100%. great. I, I'll say one thing. There's a, lot, there's a lot of people out there who who get excited or get off on the whole idea of of ruining something for people. Uh, there, there, there is that type of person. Sure. And uh, I, I, I think that I remember, I'll never forget this. I posted my review for star Wars, the force awakens um, on my Facebook page. And the movie had opened a day before I believe in career or some, I can't remember where it was. And someone had already taken a picture or a screenshot or something of Han Solo's death from The Force Awakens and then commented below my review with that photo of Han Solo dying. And I was like, and and that was the moment for me. I was, I mean, I immediately deleted it, of course. And I, and thankfully I had, I just seen the movie and I already reviewed it, but people just live for that. People live to like, I remember like, I remember hearing a story about someone driving by like remember, like back in the day when the Harry Potter books would come out, there was like lines yeah. out the bookstores. Someone Dumbledore dies. Right? Yeah. yeah. Snape kills Dumbledore, <laughs> and like, and like, <laughs> to me, that's kind of it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's, funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's, 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 okay. Can you imagine if you waited? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little funny. Thanos uh, kills Iron Man. You but I'd so be, really, but I'd be, but I'd be really <laughs> mad. You know what I mean? So, but, yeah. but I, and I get it. But like, and we can laugh about it. But imagine being that much of a fan. And that being ruined for well, you. Well, that's I what can, it was. It was the sound of the little boy like, screaming out loud. He was like, no, 
because he yeah, was like <laughs> right. holding the book in his hands. Right. So yeah, um, I, I think the Russos are. It's a smart move, um, not showing the film. Though I, I don't really understand that idea because we're pressed and we're we're basically obligated not to say that kind of stuff. And I, yeah. I and we're gonna see it. Tuesday before it releases anyways so I don't understand why you don't show it to us prior to the junket and I get it it's like this whole Star Wars thing do we really need to see the movie plus it also keeps spoilers out of the interviews it also keeps us from asking questions that might go down a spoiler path so I get I understand God forbid we ask interesting questions at the junket that would be horrible what are we doing Um, the boys saw Quiet Place which opens on Friday I have not seen it is it the type of movie that can be spoiled if you read early reviews or is it just a sort of straightforward horror movie uh, I you can I'd argue that there are things that I wouldn't want to know going yeah, in. Right. Um, I find a lot of people, I don't know about you, Kevin, but a lot of people, we've been airing, I did the junkies, so we've been airing a lot of clips and a lot of uh, pieces from the interview. A lot of people are asking me questions that I don't really want to give the answer to just because it was cool for me to, I, I mean, as a horror movie fan, it was cool for me to discover certain aspects of the film. I don't think it would necessarily be giving away any plot stuff. I mean, I'm as big of a fan of going in as blind as you could possibly be. That being said, you know, I'll rewatch a trailer a thousand times, you know, gearing up for a movie. But for a movie like this, it's there's there's it's low key enough so that you don't really need to read a bunch of stuff. I mean, you, you pretty much look at a trailer like this and you know whether or not you're going to go see it. Right. So, uh, you know, I'd recommend seeing it opening weekend, not necessarily because you're going to have it spoiled for you, but because nothing beats a good horror movie on opening weekend. Like go, go on a Friday night, have a drink before you go in and and, uh, and just enjoy that that palpable tension tension yeah. that's, that's there um, whenever you you know, whenever you go see a movie on opening weekend. There's nothing like it. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna review the movie Friday, and when after Sean sees it over the weekend, we'll we'll kind of like come back in full force and talk about it fully next week. And I know Jake wants to talk about where it is in his uh, in his year rankings. Uh, I just want to say a couple things about it, uh, just uh, from a filmmaking standpoint. I thought I, I think Krasinski uh, is a, you know is a director that I'm I I, I I think he's very well he's very good he's very effective at his intensity and building emotion and intensity. Um, the cool things about this film that I think people. Um, are going to really notice is the way the sound design works. Um, you can almost hear yourself breathing during the movie, which is kind of a cool thing. Uh, I found that to be really interesting. It was one of those things where I kind of, I kind of, I, I kept saying to myself, "Am I, am I breathing too loud? Uh, is, am I breathing too loud?" And I, and, and also the the cinematography he shot on film, which is again really really cool, especially considering is it is his second movie as a director? Third, third movie, I thought. Third, third. okay. Because uh, he did that movie with Margot Martindale, right? With the, yeah. um, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but the, the um, Hollers, the Hollers, Hollers, yeah, which was really good, by the way. Mm. Um, but yeah, this uh, it's it's really well made filmmaking wise, uh, and I'll get into more of my criticisms and and, and review of it next week. Um, but uh, the score is really well done, and uh, and every performance is. I mean, the kids a, are amazing. So it's a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I mean, that's super impressive for any movie, and yeah. even more impressive for a horror film. Um, Jake, you yeah. said. I mean, I know it's super early in the year, but it's top three of the year for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm a really big uh, one. I'm a huge fan of horror movies, um, which I means I tend to judge them a little bit more harsher than I I do. Uh, not not on purpose, just out of my natural affinity for the genre. Um, I I thought it was quick. I thought it was it was fast paced. There's no fat on it. Um, it, it hit some some emotional heartstrings that uh, a lot of horror, uh, horror movies don't necessarily go for. Um, it's almost, and by no means am I trying to put it in the same category, but you know, I often tell people that the best sports movies are 
inherently about something far more than sports. The, the, the <laughs> sport itself is the last thing that the, a good sports movie should be about. Moneyball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Moneyball, Field of Dreams, you know, whatever the case may be, Friday Night Lights. Um, but I always, same thing with horror movies. Like, the best horror movies are always about something more. You look at Jaws, right. you look at Get Out, you look at Rosemary's Baby, uh, The Shining. Uh, and I'd put The Quiet Place is, is, a, is a family drama that just so happens to be scary as hell. Um, he he yeah. puts family drama first. I'm not saying it's not a horror movie. It absolutely is. But he knows that horror should be secondary to the characters. And I think that's what makes it succeed. succeed. Cool. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's effective. I mean, I, I will say when it's effective, it's really effective. Yeah. And Jake Jake and I, will, well, next week after Sean sees it, and we'll get, we can give our ratings and go into more detail. But uh, yeah, there's there's moments where you're sitting in you're sitting in pure terror, like you're just like you you don't know what to do as an audience. Member. You're just like uh like like you can it's weird you can hear your own breath. I, you don't nice. really hear that that often. I mean, good luck eating popcorn in the theater. Yeah, right when you think you're gonna like be able to put right. the popcorn in your mouth, you realize right. it's dead silent and everyone will hear you. I know. Last <laughs> night I had a I had a uh, I had a thing of gummies uh, on, on in front of me, and every time I went to reach for it, it was. It went really quiet, and you could hear the crinkle. And then during one of the most intense scenes in the film, some guy behind me just happened to pull his popcorn bag out, and he was digging through it for something. And you could hear every popcorn kernel moving through his fingernails. Like, it was crazy. It was. It really was. Like, They're going to be but fights but it's at also theaters a, this weekend. It's also, <laughs> like, an immersive experience because it, it makes you sympathize with the characters because it makes you realize how many sounds we make on a daily basis without yes. really super knowing about. I mean, even like to the point of, I mean, and, and our, our, our mythical producer Gabe knows this to the point where like if I'm clicking a pen, you know, and we're speaking into microphones yeah. right now or I put down yeah. my coffee mug, these are all things I don't realize what I'm doing, but he'll text me the next day and be like, dude, you've got to stop. You've got to stop yeah. clicking the pen. You've got to stop doing it. I mean, I'd be dead by this point. I mean, I'm almost dead solely based on producer Gabe uh, wanting to kill me. Much less Jake, uh, monsters that attack based on sound. Jake makes a good point. Like there was like a moment in the film, and it's not a spoiler, but where a character like approaches like a staircase or something like that, and then you think to yourself, "Okay, if that person goes down those stairs, it's gonna make a ton of noise." And I'm like, "Wow, I wonder how much noise I make when I go down my stairs in my house. Like it's, it's probably it's gonna be loud in the morning, right? If I'm walking down the stairs." Oh, or- all right. So wait, let me tell you. I have a teenager <laughs> who sleeps till not like noon now, twelve thirty, and I have a ten year old who's up at seven. So try keeping the 10-year-old quiet long enough for the teenager to sleep. I'm living in a quiet place. It is my own horror right now. Jake, and Jake, you guys will you find ever, out soon enough. If I sat down with John Krasinski, my opening question would have been, how many times did you yell quiet on the set? That's, I, would, I would love to know. <laughs> I would genuinely, like, honestly, though, because the whole set's so quiet. Like, do you think he ever even had to say quiet on the set? Like, I really want to know. Do you know? Okay, <laughs> so Jake. they pay you the big bucks, Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, that's we, why Jake I wasn't at that junket. And Kevin and I all do junkets. Uh, you can see Jake's junkets, uh, his junket interviews for Quiet Place. He had John Krasinski and Emily Blunt on his uh, YouTube channel. And Jake, you can promote that through the Real Blend Twitter. And this week, um, one of the joys of this show is uh, the stories that we get to bring back from doing these unique press events. I just want to briefly mention that the boys are going to Rampage. I can, can I mention that you're going to Rampage? I just yeah, said it. Yeah, so, flying yeah. out manana. Uh, they will be interviewing The Rock, uh, and we will bring some of that content back next week. And then I am going to Pixar to uh, preview The Incredibles 2. Uh, so cool. How much day. do you get to see? Hey, 35 oh minutes. Yeah. That's good. That's, like that's, a, that's, a, that's probably over a third. Yeah, I'm excited. 
And then we're going to do I, Brad Bird and Giacchino and a bunch of other animators. Uh, I think we're, we're going to see some of Infinity War. I think we're going to see like 30 minutes well, of the, it. Well, that, that's so? that Rousseau letter said that that's we're going to be showing said. select people like 30 minutes of it. The question is, okay, I have a question for you. Are they going to – and I ask this only because uh, I, I don't know if Disney's going to keep doing this and they've done it so far. Do they show Solo? No. No. Really? No. no. I don't I think, just don't think there's as they? much. I don't think there's as much secrecy surrounding Solo as there is. The there other isn't, one. but it's, it's a the, Lucasfilm the name. thing. Yeah, it's a Lucasfilm. So, thing. so moving just, forward, we're just never gonna see Star Wars before we have to interview the cast. I don't think so. I mean, I don't think we uh, need to. I mean, yeah. every every one of the ones so far. I, I, I did Jedi and Awakened. But real quick, back to Sean, what you were saying about Incredibles. Before we move on to the Tom Hanks thing, um, will you see thirty minutes at the beginning, or is Brad going to show you different sections? Do you know? I, I've done I, I've done one of these long leads at Pixar before. It was from Monsters University, and they they jumped all around the movie, not to okay. like the finale, um, but they showed you know set up at the beginning. They showed chunk of the middle. They uh, is it, as is it stuff unfinished? is finished. Um, or is the animation not? The, I, I love the, I love the non finished animation stuff. There's some sometimes. of that. Yeah, there's some of Ooh. that because they still have yeah. until June to deliver, and they really are working up on mm. it until the very last minute. So um, I bet I bet we, we see chunks of Solo. Because they showed chunks of Rogue One. Yeah, yeah they showed like 30. Well, I didn't do I, Rogue One. I think one, you keep saying something. chunks of things. You keep saying chunks of things. Chunks, 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 <laughs> chunks, chunks, Sean. They will show uh, you none of Solo and you'll be happy. Oh, I'll, Sean. I'll, I'll watch Sean. that Denny's trailer and you can't take that away from me. Now I know what to have for breakfast. <laughs> Sean, I want to correct you on something that you said about three minutes ago. You said that we were going out to interview The Rock. Um, yeah. The correct way to phrase that is The yeah. Rock's going to be interviewed by us. True. Good point. So, yeah, yeah. So, you have to understand that Jake and I, like, yes. he, he, that, that's what he's excited he's about. He's super excited about right. that. Yes. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter, it doesn't what, matter what you think. It doesn't matter. Uh, speaking uh, of, it doesn't matter what you think. We have a new segment that we're going to try out. And this is born of our text chain, as most of this whole podcast is basically born of our text chain. Um, so and true. we will every once in a while drop something into the text chain that the other guys react to um, so passionately that we realize, <laughs> oh, that's a really unpopular opinion. And so we are calling this for now unpopular opinions. And uh, <laughs> like, I, I feel like our Netflix with, uh, segment last week could have been the first unpopular that was opinion. was the first of it, I guess. Um, let's, let's give it to that. This is our second unpopular opinion. This is let's our second that. one. And I'm going to um, step into the, the spotlight uh, and take this one because when I said it, I was shouted down by the, by the boys. Um, and this is funny because on Twitter yesterday, um, Scott Wampler, who's over at uh, Birth Movies Death, started this I, conversation. I noticed, I noticed that too. I, yeah. I, wanted it, I actually wanted if you guys had had a conversation. No, not That's at so all. Strange. It was just so, so Scott said on Twitter, he was like, name a film that you don't get, quote unquote, get that if if film Twitter, quote unquote, film Twitter um, heard that you didn't like it, they would essentially clutch their pearls. And my answer was the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which I had just said in the text chain to the guys um, that I, I can't stand the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I just don't like it. And so we were like, oh, that's the first unpopular opinion. And so that's let me insane. just briefly state my opinion on Lord of the Rings trilogy, and then you guys can tell me why I'm wrong. They're 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 unwatchable. <laughs> they're so boring. Wow. They're so boring, and I I I hated them from Fellowship, and and it's it's one of those examples, and I'm sure you guys have run into these examples where you don't like a movie, and then you step out of it, and everyone else loves it. And you're just yeah. like, I don't get what what are you talking about? Like what movie? Like I thought that those movies. Maybe I'm just not a huge fantasy guy i haven't watched game of thrones as we talked about on the podcast before um 
those types of movies don't work as well for me. And that, so the fellowship of the ring felt like an eternity and I came out and everybody adored it. And it's the type of acting in it is seems um, like thespian acting, you know, the way that Sean Astin and, and Elijah Wood are in it. And I, I understand the motion capture is great, you know, for Andy circus, but it's just the Gollum stuff. I don't like, I don't, I don't care for it. And each one of those got worse and worse for me that, that when Peter Jackson kind of bombed with King Kong, I was using that as an example of like, look, see, he's not that good. Everyone says he's great at these big blockbusters and he's totally overrated. I prefer Peter Jackson when he's doing smaller films, um, but he's kind of lost in that in the Lord of the Rings because then we had three Hobbit films. And the way people felt about the Hobbit films is the way I felt about the Lord of the Rings movies. And it seems like people just caught up to me. Um, I know Kevin wholeheartedly disagrees with me and I want to hear his defense oh, yeah. of the trilogy. Yeah, I can see like the, like the blood yeah. like, vessels are bursting in his eyes right now. <laughs> My shirt was not initially red, now it is. No, but the the uh, I listen. I grew up on Peter Jackson. I remember the first time I ever saw a movie with his was Dead Alive. I was in sixth grade. I was at my buddy's house. Um, I think it's also called Brain Dead in other in other uh, realms of, realms of whatever whatever it's called. Um, but yeah, Lord of the Rings was one of the first experiences I ever had in a movie theater where I actually started crying during an action scene because it was like. It was just so unbelievably epic to a point where I didn't fully comprehend what I was seeing, but I knew what I was seeing was game-changing and masterful. Um, I didn't read the Lord of the Rings books, so my my particular uh, connection with that story is through Peter Jackson's vision. Uh, I thought every single shot in those movies was just laid out perfectly. The performances were great. I, I, I love those. And b- before we get to like other unpopular opinions about this segment. Um, by the end of this bit, I want us all to rank the four that we discussed in our, in our Twitter feed, which or our, our text chain, which were, well, wait, wait, wait. we're going to War- save the other ones for other shows. We're only doing one, I, but can we rank? Can we, can we, cause I, cause we got into a whole argument. Cause I was saying, I think back to the future is better than star Wars. And then I uh, want Jake that to be like, its own segment. That should be its okay, own right. segment. So, th- so this is just, Lord just, of Lord of just Lord, just of, the Lord of the Rings. Just Lord of the Rings. Oh, well, then simply you're wrong. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> with the Lord of the Rings things, I still can't identify the names of characters. Like, I Dude, know there's Howard like Shore bow and arrow guy. Score? Oh, my and God. I know there's Vigo, but I can't tell you his name in the movie at all. Is he like Aragorn, also known as Strider. I know Liv Dude. Tyler's in it, but I'd rather watch Armageddon. Oh, hey, my God. Hey, Hugo hey, Weaving. I love Armageddon. I love Don't Armageddon like too. Thing. Well, we all love Armageddon, yeah. but uh, my point. But then, okay, so so which of the Lord of the Rings movies is the best? Return fellowship. of the King. Ooh, you're a Fellowship guy. I'm a fellowship I'm a reti- guy. I'm, I'm a re- it's weird. It's 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 very funny that we're having this discussion because I've always been a Last Crusade guy over Raiders. Mm, right. uh, I've always been a, I've always been a Die Hard three guy over Die Hard one. You've always my been a Godfather God. three fan over Godfather one. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> I am a Godfather two fan over Godfather one. I'm a Terminator two fan over Terminator one. I'm an Empire fan over Star Wars one, and I'm a Wrath of Khan fan over Star Trek one. I think a lot of sequels. I, I think the sequels get the bad rap because they're a sequel, but there are a lot more sequels that we love more than the original. I, well, I'll say one more thing: um, Return of the King is just in my opinion it was the culmination of everything it was the most emotional of the entire trilogy uh it just brought everything home but also had the best action scenes i i just thought the arc of three was the best and three was the first time i i remember ever shedding a tear because of an action scene being so unbelievably epic what was the scene it what was scene? just that 
it's the whole movie to me feels like one big action scene. Oh no, that that shot of the elephants like t- sweeping people off their feet as they were like going into battle. It was, it was in it was towards the end. Right. Um, but it and then oh my god, the, the green all the, all the green ghosts coming in like fighting. I I, I love that movie. I, and everyone makes fun of the ending and, and ending multiple times and whatever. I will say I, I, get, I get a little misty eyed when I when when he says. Uh, <laughs> You bow to no one. Like that's when I, I you know, and then and then the Hobbit music. Oh God! Don't shake your head, Sean. You know, terrible. You know, we need right now. We need Jeff Anderson from Clerks Two doing that bit in Clerks Two where he explains Lord of the Rings versus Star Wars, and he just walks to the plank and drops the ring. That's the end of the whole story. After sixteen hours of extended cuts, Jake, do you love these movies also? You know, it's funny, when you brought this up, it, it gave me a different perspective because I felt because I didn't so passionately want to fight you about it made me realize that I, I like the Lord of the Rings movies. There's definitely a sense of nostalgia for me because the first one came out when I was in eighth grade, which I think is around the time that my love of movies was starting to evolve from a just like I like sitting down and watching movies to watching them from like an artistic angle. Um, and I, I have fond memories of my parents taking me out of school early to go see them on opening day. So like that mm-hmm. sort of, you know, stands with me. I I don't think I've ever watched two and three from start to finish since I saw them in theaters. I've definitely oh. never seen the extended cuts. I remember them fondly and I think I'll always like them and always thinking in my head like, yeah, I like the Lord of the Rings movies, but they don't hold a place in my heart the way Star Wars does, the way uh, Raiders does, the way uh, even Back to the Future does. Um, it's, it's sort of Lord of the Rings is, is sort of playing outfield and everyone else is, uh, is on base. Yeah. And I will say this, I'm not like, I don't have hobbits all over my house and like pictures of Lord of the Rings stuff. I mean, I, it, to me, it's like my third favorite trilogy if we were going to rank the ones that we're talking about. But, um, I don't know. There's something about what Jake just said. Like there was something about sitting in that theater and just kind of recognizing what Peter Jackson had done from a filmmaking standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I also always, I mean, I, I remember buying the extended cuts. I remember like the, the, the three, actually I have them down here somewhere, but they were like three almost book-like uh, DVDs. They had like five discs in them. One was red, one was green, one was brown or whatever. Um, and I remember spending an entire weekend watching the entire extended cut of the trilogy. It was like 18, 17 hours or four, whatever it was. Of, and I remember just being like, wow, like how did someone do that? Like how, like, I, would, I don't know, to me it was just a, it's an incredible achievement in yeah, cinema. I agree with that. And, and like just being able to keep that story going. I don't necessarily hate the Hobbit films like people do. I thought they were fine. No, I hate um, the Hobbit. I, films. I didn't. I didn't hate them. I thought Ooh, they were fine. I hate fun. the Hobbit. Do but, you remember you and I did the junket, and it was the, like first, the first time. One. It was the first time anyone had seen the, any of the, 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 the. That was the first Hobbit movie, and I remember you and I got on the shuttle, and I got so mad because in front of the Warner Brothers people. You like looked at me and you're like, so what'd you think? And I sort of had this like face on. And in front of all of Warner Brothers, Kevin goes, Jake Hamilton, you didn't like The Hobbit? Really? I remember, yeah, I remember I being did that? so mad. I don't remember that. I was that. like, shh, shh, shh. I think I, I was on a little bit of a high because I remember walking he was out high. of that movie. No, 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 I wasn't high. I was, on a, I was on a little bit of a high walking out of that movie because I remember, I actually thought the 48 frames is really cool oh, looking. God. Um, and oh, I, I, I looking back on it now, looking back on it now, I'm, uh, I, I, I've changed my mind in that perspective because it did look, it reminded me I was watching a movie. So kind of like, but it's interesting because your eyes, from what I've understood, 
from reading things is that like your eyes technically see 60 frames a second, which is why when you watch a movie and you're watching a film at 24 frames a second, it looks cinematic. It doesn't look like real life, which is another reason why like, you know, I'm not a huge digital guy because it almost looks like too much real realism in my opinion. Uh, a, a, very, a good friend of mine actually just texted me and said, did I hear that correctly? Die Hard 3 is greater than Die Hard. And I yes. want to just say... Yes, can we, can we save will, that for the next unpopular We opinion? will address that on another show on another Die Hard podcast. 3 is better than Die Hard 1, and I will stand by that. I no, watched Die Hard 3 sir. the other day. It is no, a phenomenal sir. action movie. I, you cannot oh, be more wrong about that. I can't wait we to debate need, that. Producer we'll Gabe's head will explode if I start going down that road right now. <laughs> Um, his imaginary head the on mythical his producer citizen body <laughs> will explode because we have yeah. to get to Hank's blend now. Love that. Hank's let, blend. Uh, Kevin, recap who we've done up to this point in this fun hashtag blend yeah. game. Yeah, so if you're listening to us now and you want to go back and uh, watch or listen to the other uh, blends that we've done, so we've done Scorsese, Scorsese, we've done uh, Kubrick, we've done Nolan, we've done. Who am I missing? Spielberg. Spielberg. We've done. Paul Thomas who? Anderson. Coen Brothers and Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, Coen Brothers. And, yeah. Yeah. And we all, Coen Brothers. And we, and we, and we all came to a conclusion of what we thought was the best, not our favorite, which was a very hard thing to do specifically with Spielberg. We had a lot of, we had a hard time with that. Um, but if you go back and listen to him, it's interesting. It really is. And it's a fascinating discussion because it kind of makes you come to a conclusion. But Spielberg, I think to date, to date was the hardest one for me. Yeah. I don't know oh, without a question. Yes. That one was the most difficult one. Hanks to me was not, Hard. This was easy. Um, in my yeah, opinion. it was pretty easy. And so one of the things that we talked about behind the scenes is we're ranking the person's best performance, performance, not necessarily the best film that they've been involved in, because it just feels like an actor has more control over their individual performance. And there are probably people who have given good performances in really bad movies. And if we have a really great movie that Tom Hanks was involved in, it might not be because of him necessarily. So we decided to set this precedent with actors and actresses uh, so that when we deviate away from directors that we love, we're trying to talk about their performances. We have um, to, by the way, we have to mention like how big of a deal it is for Jake. Cause Jake, I've known Jake for, I think almost 10 years now, eight years. And this is, this is his guy. I mean, like, I, I remember when Jake first interviewed him, we got on the phone the night before we were going over his questions for, like, Larry Crown. I, remember, you remember, I don't know if you remember that, but I was, yeah. living in, like, v, I was living in, like, Vienna, Virginia. I remember Jake called me. He was like, I guess because, like, I think Hanks was coming to, like, Texas. He was freaking out about oh, it. Yeah. And it went, it went into it a went, paper bag. Yeah, it went the best it could have ever gone, too, which was, it was a great interview. If you look it up on YouTube, it's phenomenal. Like, Tom Hanks was so engaged. But this is a big deal because... I've known Jake for so long, and Tom Hanks has consistently always been his favorite actor. So this is this is this is. I, mean, I, I think I know where he's going to go with his, though. So I think we're I know. we're kicking off with Jake, and oh, part of the God. joys of the game is that we get to guess uh, before he reveals his pick uh, what we think his pick is. So, um, Kevin, who do you think? What do you think Jake picked? Okay, so Jake's favorite movie of all time is Road to Perdition. Um, but I'm covering my face on... so you can't see my because my my reactions are too. There were people on social media that were, that know Jake so well that they were like, Jake's going to pick Road to Perdition. Like that's... Right. <laughs> and I think he's not going to go that way because... Well, not because... Because at the beginning of the podcast when we were talking earlier, he had said something about the, about the fact that, you know, he had to look at it from a performance perspective, not, not as a movie perspective. So that I had already made up my mind that he wasn't choosing Road to Perdition, but that kind of solidified it for me. Mm -hmm. um, Road to Perdition is... 
I would agree his Tom Hanks' best movie it's overall. So it's um, so I, I'll never forget seeing that. It blew my mind. Uh, it's not my first blow my mind today, by the way. That's the first uh, time I said that all which day. I like, which, whoever tweeted that was fantastic. Someone <laughs> tweeted, side note, someone tweeted, we could make a drinking game out of every time Sean gets interrupted, uh, whether or not I could pick a, a Hanks movie and every time something blows Kevin's mind and then whether or not Gabe exists. Right, and my, my someone said I was going to say it 49 times, so I have 48 more to go. Um, no, but uh, yeah, so I, I am going to go with Castaway, and, I, I, and I, I think I have a feeling about why he would choose that, but that's, that's kind of where I'm going, uh, solely based on Hanks just carrying that entire film, and I rewatched that recently. I didn't like that movie the first time I saw it. Um, and I have a newfound respect and love for that movie, and Zemeckis is just amazing. So that's why I think he's going to pick. I also think he's going to pick Castaway. Okay, I pick Castaway. I knew it! <laughs> I know Jake yeah. so well. Uh, seriously, <laughs> guys, I, I mean, one, Castaway, which I would argue on a sidebar is one of the most misunderstood titles of all time. It is not a noun. It is a verb. It's two separate words. Castaway. Not Castaway. Okay. Castaway. Okay. So right. that's a whole that's a whole another side issue that I have a Wait, problem. explain that, Jake. I've never so, thought about it. It's so it's castaway as two different words, as in he has been cast away. Not that he right. is a castaway. Castaway right. as a noun is one word. You cast mean from away. like the trappings of modern society, or well, well, just just the title. Like the title doesn't refer to him; it refers to what has happened to him. Okay, he's been he's yeah. been Fair cast enough. away. He's been yeah, cast yeah. away. Fair yeah. enough. Well, it's um, kind of both, right? So, well, cast away is is one word. If it, if it, if it, if it were oh, him, wow. yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I was an English mind. Look at you. Look at you. Uh, I actually never so, thought about that before. Uh, just yeah, I mean, you guys kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, we're talking about something that it, he, he. There are so many aspects of this performance that if an actor could pull off one of them, it's an accomplishment. We're talking about a guy that over the course of two and a half hours delivers a performance that makes me laugh out loud when it it delivers a performance that makes me cry delivers a performance where he is on the screen for a majority of the film alone and at best talking to a volleyball and Mm -hmm. those those emotions that i mentioned when he's making me laugh and making me cry are from his relationship to an inanimate object i mean there are I'm not, you know, Tom Hanks is my favorite actor of all time. I'm not saying he's the greatest actor on the planet. I mean, do, do I think that he could pull off something like There Will Be Blood or Lincoln the way Daniel Day-Lewis does? No. But that being said, I don't think any other actor working today could pull off and cast away what Tom Hanks pulled off. Because not only does he have to have the acting chops to be able to pull off so many of those different scenes on his own, we have to like him enough to stick around with him on that island. I mean, if it's a two-and-a-half-hour movie, I'd argue he's on it probably an hour and a half, uh, maybe an hour 45. Uh, and I don't think there's any other actor out there who is as liked as Tom Hanks and that w- we feel the emotional connection with to want to see him through and want to see it through it. Forget the fact that he took a break and then Zemeckis went to go make What Lies Beneath so that Tom Hanks could lose all of this weight and then come back. I mean, we're talking about so many different aspects that most actors get pressed for just doing one of. If an actor can make me cry in a movie, well done. If you can make me laugh in a movie, well done. But he does it alone, all the while losing like 50, 60, 70 pounds. It is an astounding performance that blows my mind. As much as I like Russell Crowe and Gladiator, Russell Crowe should not have won the Oscar for Best Actor that year. Tom Hanks should be in the three Oscar club, and his third Oscar should have come from Castaway. It is, I think, 
his all-time best performance in a career full of absolutely incredible performances. You know, actors will always say that acting is reacting. Um, and that's kind of why that performance is so amazing because he doesn't have anything really to react to yeah. person-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, it is truly a remarkable performance. I completely agree with you. And uh, I, again, I had a second I had a second coming on that movie. I, I, I didn't like it when I saw it, but I think I was... 15 i think i was joking around with my friends in the theater we were like doing fart noises and stuff like that but like i mean like, like the first time i saw, i mean listen we were all we've all been immature kids at one point um i still am that guy yeah. but i mean Ca- castaway wasn't an ex- wasn't a movie that i paid attention to when i was younger so it was a i revisited it as an adult and i i really uh found it to be very profound amazing so, score an incredible score yeah oh it's a great it's a real it's a mechus is he's just and that, that one-shot monologue he has at the end, to me, is one of the most underappreciated oh. cinematic monologues where he talks about how he recognized that he has to move on from Helen Hunt and that he, you know, that yeah. he, but he was appreciative. All that, that entire monologue is one take. It's incredible. What were you, it's heartbreaking. What were you, what were you saying? So, I, 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 I'm sorry, I, I didn't know this. What, did he... So he shot part of Castaway and, and then went and shot What Blinds Me and came back and finished Castaway. Yes, yeah. Mecca did. Yeah, that's crazy to I didn't give know that. to give Tom Hanks the time to lose time all that weight. Lose, so he which, put on a bunch of weight. Talk about that reveal, that's like when the yeah. spear goes the through spear the, fish the fish and it peels yes. back and it's Hanks with the beard yeah. and the long hair he's, and he's dropped yeah. all the weight. Inc- yeah. Yeah. Incredible. incredible. How much time had passed in the story? Six four months. Four years. Oh, four years. Yeah, but four six years. months wow. in shooting. I think it took six yeah. months for him to lose that weight. Yeah. Um, well, Beneath was really good too. I saw Castaway in the balcony of the Uptown Theater in Washington, D.C. on opening night. And it blew Which, wow. by the way, is where, t- where 2001 premiered as well on April 2nd, uh, 50 years Great ago. Great theater. Wow. Great theater. Isn't that cool? Yeah. All right, I'm up. And so you guys get to choose. Uh, well, I can't choose because apparently uh, Gabe told us prior that two people have the same one. Um, so that would lead me to believe that you and I have a similar one. So Jake has, oh. to, has, has to guess what both Ooh. of us chose. So That's none true. of you, you agree know, with producer me. Gabe shouldn't give any clues. No, I don't Ooh. mind that. It was no, to be fair, like I, I have been bugging him oh. all day because I like the game. Ooh, no, so I'm guessing. Truthfully, no, I texted him two days ago and asked him. So I'm just <laughs> as bad as, <laughs> as both of you guys. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> go with Philadelphia. No, I pick Castaway also. <laughs> I don't match really? Kevin. I match you. Yeah. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's good. That's Kevin. awesome. Oh wow. Wait, wait. Oh, I, you pick Castaway. I fell for Castaway. Oh, you great. Fell All right, perfect. All right, yeah. then continue. I picked Castaway also, <laughs> and um, it really wasn't even. It wasn't close. I mean, I think he's given some unbelievably amazing performances, and there people who gave suggestions in the Twitter feed, they're not wrong. I mean, Big is. Big, his performance in Big elevates what should be a simple comedy. Yeah, um, and he got an Oscar nomination for it. Yeah, um, the fact that he has an Oscar for Forrest Gump, which is a despicable movie. I love uh, Forrest Gump, and doesn't have it for Castaway. We won't even get you're into crazy. this. This is another Ooh, unpopular okay, opinion. Okay, there's an unpopular opinion later. Um, but but you're exactly right. You've said it already. Like all of the things that he does in Castaway are things that if one actor does it in one movie, we would be like. That's transcendental, right? And the fact that he does it all in in the same movie is incredible. Um, Kevin said it, and he's exactly right. Like, it strips away everything that an actor relies on to help their performance. Someone else to play off of. Um, Situations that put you in really dramatic scenarios, and you have to sort of figure out how to get out of them. He does all of these things in a largely silent performance. Um, The weight loss and weight gain is an incredible thing. But what makes him... He's relatable at every step of that journey. And uh, it's, it is hands down 
his best performance. If I were going to wild card it and go somewhere else, Philadelphia is incredible. Philadelphia is an incredible movie. Um, if I were going to wild card it, I'd say Woody because I just think that vocal actors yeah. don't get enough attention. I think that people uh, dismiss a vocal performance, um, but it's harder <laughs> than, you know, sitting in that booth and trying to get emotion. And you think of the different emotions that come from the, from the Toy Story trilogy that are tied to Woody. Yeah. It's it's all tied to Tom Hanks's performance, yeah. but I I didn't really honestly, necessarily He's he's my favorite actor. I whenever I watch Toy Story, I forget Woody is Tom Hanks. Yeah. It's not, that's like, true. It's not as much as much and don't get me wrong, I by no means am I knocking this performance because it's incredible. But to me, the genie and Robin Williams go hand in hand. I listen to the genie to me like it's it's almost as if Robin Williams were interacting with Aladdin because it because yes. the character is so Robin Williams. I don't even think of Tom Hanks when I think of Woody. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And Castaway is the type of movie where the, when you go back and revisit it every couple of years, it's going to be a different movie because of yeah. you're different in the place where you are and yeah. the things that he loses um, in, in that movie, in his life in that movie and yeah. the way that he conveys it. Yeah. Blows my mind. So Jake and I agreed. Kevin has a different pick, so we get to guess. Wait, for the record, for yes. the record, Jake and Sean both said it blows my mind. In their in their th- topics just now, so we are all tied right now for the equal amount. Of you do realize that the person that said that they thought you were going to do it forty nine times was me, right? Right, right, right. No, I know. I'm just saying. And um, yeah, all right. But, but before you guys make your guesses, I want to say one thing. Um, the my answer is for his overall performance in a film. I think the greatest moment. Please say, please say, had- please say what I'm thinking. You're you're going to say. Captain Phillips. Yes, the oh, I agree with you 100. I think scene that's Captain Phillips without question. That to me is the single-handedly the greatest moment of his career from a performance perspective. Yeah. I've never seen anything more raw in my entire life than that you. scene. It do, is. Do you horrifying. know the backstory to that scene? What I remember reading it. Go it ahead was, and tell. I don't remember. It was uh, if you're if you're not familiar with the scene we're talking about, it's the final. It's a real scene the real lady, Phillips. right? Yeah, where. Uh, he's been rescued. He's back on the plane, and a, and a medic goes in there, and it's his reaction to you know tr- coming to, to terms with the trauma that he just experienced. Paul Greengrass uh, did not hire an actress to play the medic. He he hired a real life medic, and it is yeah. not a scripted scene. He told her go in there and treat him as if you would normally treat someone undergoing this scenario, and he right. told Tom Hanks deal with this as if you think Captain Phillips actually would. So it's too it's it's to me a genuinely authentic moment because it is a medic treating someone that doesn't know you know neither of them know what's going to happen. There there it is it is an entirely authentic, real, genuine, raw performance, and I agree with you 100, percent Kevin. I think that is the greatest greatest acting moment of his career. Without uh, it, it, it's horrifying. I, I get I get chills thinking yeah. about it. I, yeah. I remember like that's not mine. That that's not theater. mine. We're just talking about the blood. That's oh not mine. That's not mine. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so scary. Yeah. And, and honestly, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh my god, like they're like, that's acting. Like that is like pure. Because Tom Hanks is like that most happy go lucky yeah. guy you'll ever see. And it's like I've never seen something like that stripped down, like completely, literally stripped down, like to a point where it was just brutal. But yeah, wow. uh, that's, that, that's my. Favorite scene of his career. I think Kevin's pick for best Tom Hanks performance is Saving Private Ryan. Huh. I think... Um, that's going to be weird in the audio. I think, Or the uh, train conductor from uh, Polar Express. Polar Express. I do love that movie, by the way. <laughs> or, the ter- or the Terminal. I like the Terminal. No, I think, it's, I think it's Saving um, Private Ryan. I, I think it's Forrest Gump. 
It's Forrest Gump. Yes! No, yes! no! I hate Forrest Gump. How do you I hate, hate that Forrest movie Gump? so much. How do you I hate, hate Forrest it. Gump. I hate it. I hate That's it. Crazy. I hate everything about that movie. It's the worst movie ever. You're the worst ever. movie ever. Wait, Kevin, I'm mo- sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Somebody isolate that audio. Sean O'Connell just said I that Forrest, Forrest Gump, Gump is the worst movie ever. I hate it. It's awful. It's yeah, an awful say. movie. It's an all awful right, so, movie. So, so we're, all the future unpopular opinions just going to be what you think about movies. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will say this. What do you like, Sean O'Connell? Wait, yeah. I want Kevin to go. I don't want to yes, take go, Kevin's go. spotlight. This for is the, his moment. For the longest, for the longest time, I actually had a a thing against Forrest Gump, only because it it's beat bad. Pulp Fiction at the you Oscars. You can't do that though. That's unfair. No, 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 no. That was just me being immature in high school. No, no, um, no. That is fair because it literally competed no, no, no. against Pulp Fiction. But that, it has we're not picking different do... years and different movies. Yeah, yeah. People thought that's a better movie than Pulp Fiction. And but that's, that's not. Wrong. That's not the movie's fault. I yes, agree, and, 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 and that's kind of how I had to mature and kind of understand that because that year it was Forrest Gump versus Pulp Fiction versus Shawshank Redemption, and I thought Pulp should have won, but. That being said, um, and Quiz I'm, Show and Four Weddings and a Funeral, and all four of them are better than than Forrest Gump. No, they're not. Four Weddings no. and a Funeral and Quiz Show are not better than Forrest Gump. They are. Quiz Show is a better movie, mm, and neither anyway. Uh, Shawshank is right tied with it. I think Pulp Fiction is the better movie. Um, but no performance in Pulp Fiction is as good as Tom Hanks is in Forrest Gump. Um, Sam Jackson is better than Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think he's as good. Other. Sam Jackson. I'm was... not saying they are. No, no, no. I'm not saying that they are. I'm not saying that. They are. Um, Forrest Gump to me is. It's hard to explain what I love about that performance only to say that the decades that it covers and the through line of the emotional element of what that character goes through, uh, staying with him throughout that time period and just kind of dealing with the ups and downs of his life, everything he had went through, um, it just devastates me. Uh, There's a scene that someone posted as a gif on our on one of our threads where he's asking about his uh, his kid and, and if the kid is like him. Ooh, and it's yeah. just like, it's just, I, it's just yeah. devastating. Like that, that, that moment to me, it was just like, I've never, I mean, like the Captain Phillips moment, it's just like, I, you just don't really see people go that deep or go that, you don't, you forget it's Tom Hanks. I mean, Forrest Gump is, is, is a character in itself where you forget Tom Hanks, even though you physically can see him. Like Jake just said with the Toy Story thing, you know, clearly you have an animated character there as Woody, so it's a little bit easier in my opinion. But in order for Tom Hanks to disappear in a character, that's hard. Uh, and he does it with Castaway, but Castaway had the ability to have that facial hair, to have that rugged... I mean, he still had the facial hair in Forrest Gump at times, but generally speaking, the character of Forrest Gump, we've, we see Tom Hanks' face throughout the movie. Um... I just found that performance to be so profound. And as I've gotten older and rewatched it, um, just the emotional jumps that he goes through. And I think it was, it starts in the eighties and it goes back to the fifties and then, then it, then, then it goes back to the eighties, right? It's like kind of works. Yeah. Back like, up like, and, cause, and then goes forward. Right. And it's yeah. just like, but also, um, uh, from a technical standpoint, what Zemeckis pulled off of that movie. Um, oh, we all Hanks, picked Zemeckis movies. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really funny. Point. Yeah. That's and, really funny. But the idea that Hank's, so fluidly did it and also the fact that Zemeckis was kind of trying new things at that time I mean, the scene where he shakes JFK's hand or um just those those, those little things felt so genuinely real because of how Hank sell, sold that stuff and that could have been so bad it could have been really fake it could have looked fake it could have been emotionally fake um but I just think Hank's grasp the technology while also keying in on the performance and then keeping a through line of a character that I was just so fascinated by and 
think about how much he goes through. The emotions that he goes through in that movie is just profound. Uh, I don't know. To me, it, it, it encapsulates everything that's great about Tom Hanks in one performance. Um, it's, it's just everything that's great about him. Physically, emotionally, funny, dramatically, um, and then just dealing with Zemeckis trying new things and just doing it fluidly. Um, I just think that's why I think it's the best performance of his career. And, but I still stand by that Captain Phillips moment is the best yeah. thing he's ever done. But dude, but, I, that, that scene of him at Jenny's grave at the end, when he's, oh when my he's talking, god! You, you'd be so proud because he's so smart, Jen. Like, oh my god! Just, <laughs> yeah. just tears, man. He's amazing, and, yeah. and, 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 and I have no problem as a thirty-four-year-old guy admitting that there was a long period of time in high school and going into college where I just resented Forrest Gump because it. Why beat do Pulp people? Hey, I don't understand why. No, no, no. I love Forrest Gump, and I always loved Forrest Gump. But there was always this looming thing in my mind that I was like, why did Pulp Fiction lose to this movie? Um, but, but that it's not fair to the movie itself. I mean, I need Agreed. to look at Forrest Gump as its own thing. Also, movies that compete for Best Picture. They're in wildly different categories and genres, um, and it's, it doesn't mean anything in the end. I mean, it's just a, a voting process that someone voted on, and it got the best picture. And we all know the past 10 years, besides, it, there hasn't been a best picture that really deserved best picture. Um, Pulp Fiction, I think, deserved it. But I'm okay with Forrest Gump winning now. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I grew up a little yeah. bit, and I realized how great that movie was. So. Well, you're not wrong, Kevin, in the fact that the audience picks, uh, t- we have a tie at number one. Between Forrest Gump and this, these are people who played at home uh, and used ha- Hank's blend on social media. Forrest Gump is tied with uh, Saving Private Ryan for his best performance. Interesting. Yep. I mean, Saving then, Private Ryan. It's like earn this. The, the weird thing about Saving Private Ryan, though, for me is when I look back on that movie, I don't genuinely think of him at first. I just think about what Spielberg did. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's Spielberg's think, movie through and through. I think Spielberg's camera work was really the leading character. Just like, just the, that I mean, nothing will ever top that beach scene and just the well, horror on everyone's face. But, and then Vin Diesel, Oh, and naturally. then maybe Tom Which, Hanks. I can't believe Vin Diesel's in that movie. And, and like Ed Burns. It's, it's so weird. That cast is really strange. I actually yeah. forget it is, who's in that yeah. cast. Very, uh, it's a Sizemore? very strange Sizemore? Tom Sizemore? Tom Sizemore's in it? Yeah. 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 I mean, but yeah. Sizemore had a great run in the yeah. 90s, man. Dude, well, Natural so, Born Killers, The Heat, to Same Pride Ryan. That guy had a great run. Right behind that, Philadelphia and Castaway. We're literally right behind it. Uh, Producer Gabe says that the audience picks were super close this week. And we had really good engagement. Big. Yeah. Yeah, we see this seemed to, to strike a chord of people. Yeah, big can I, can I, Road to Perdition and Captain Phillips were all mentioned, and Gabe's saying here thirty different films by him. Wow, were mentioned. Thirty different Tom Hanks films were mentioned in people using Hanks. That's, blend, that's how you insane. know. That's how you know you've had a good career. That's insane. Yeah. Could I choose next week's blend, or have we already chosen it? Well, we've chosen it, and there's a reason Ugh. for it. But I want you oh, to pin God. pin yours. So we did. The, one of the most popular actors of all time. I, I feel like we have to do one okay. of the most popular actresses of all time. And so next week it's, it's hashtag street blend. We're going to debate the Ooh. best Meryl Streep film of all time. And li- that's, I, that's actually you, tough. Yeah. I jumped ahead and look at her <laughs> filmography and we're screwed. We're screwed because <laughs> it's not going to be easy at all. I've because never seen Sophie's Choice. I probably should watch you that. Gotta, yeah, you got to do some homework. Yeah, so I probably to. need to watch yeah. that. Silkwood. Into the woods. Into the woods. Get out of here. Stop it. I need to watch Sophie's Choice. All right. So fans who are watching us now, uh, you can play along with hashtag Streep Blend. Um, by if you're not on social media, if you happen to be listening to us on iTunes or, or watching on Facebook and you don't have Twitter, you can email, get this, 
realblend at cinemablend.com. And your entries for We have your an be- email account? Best. We have an email account. Since Real, R E E L B L E N D at cinemablend.com. Your answers to your to the best Meryl Streep movie will come to uh, producer game. I guess well, as of 10 minutes ago, we have an uh, email. Forrest song. Gump has 72% of Rotten Tomatoes. Good. Should be That's lower. Crazy. Should be 7. You should be lower. Guys, it's a bad, bad You're, movie. No, it's Wait. not. It's not a bad it's movie. It's not a bad where, movie. Where, where, that's that's you, crazier than me saying Die Hard 3 is better than Die Hard 1. Do you that, remember when, um, for no apparent reason, Forrest just starts running? Then I was running. Because he felt like it. <laughs> and I got to the coast. So okay, do you guys know the story about, about why Hank did, did that accent? Again. No. Huh? What's so the accent this, story? The accent came from, not from Hank's, but because the kid they hired to play a young Forrest uh, has that accent. And oh, wow. Zemeckis went to Tom Hanks and said, we, need, we have a problem. We need to teach this kid how to speak like you. To which Hanks said, then why don't, we just, why don't I just speak like him? Like, if you genuinely want this kid in the movie, why don't I just learn to speak like him? And apparently the kid spoke, you know, uh, Tom Hanks would go. Cool. He told this story on Graham Norton, which is how I know it. But he, apparently Tom Hanks went to go learn stuff about him. He goes, oh, like, you know, what, what does your father do? He goes, my father deals with grace. And so, like, he had to get, so that's, that's where that's the cool. accent came from. Not from Tom Hanks, but from the kid. I didn't know that. And the kid went on to, like, to be a veteran. He went to go, so he went on to, to serve our country. And my, my life crap all was, over his movie. Yeah, Gary Sinise is amazing in that movie, too. Yeah. Lieutenant Diane. You have legs, Lieutenant. I hate. I hate that wow. movie. Wow. You know what? How do you hate that movie? How do you Sean? sleep at night? Yeah. What is another segment? That, another that's day. a really you know, weird can, movie to I hate. Can, I can forgive your hatred of of, of hobbits and uh, yeah. Like and if you I, hate Hobbit, I get yeah. that. I, but, I, but how I, dare I, you, Forrest sir? Gump. It's, it's and now, and now you're saying that you like The Last Jedi? It's like I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, well, we need a dissenting you? voice in this podcast. To, if we then all agree on Gabe. everything, it's no fun. Yes, it's producer Gabe. Before we head out, we want to leave everybody who's listening with a few recommendations for the week. Um, but before we get there, guys, I want everybody to talk about where they can find us online. I'm going to start with at RealBlend, which is our new Twitter yeah. account. So if you're listening to us and you um, have not followed us there yet, please do so. Jake, where can they find you on social media? On Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Jake's Takes, like takes that are mine, Jake's Takes. And uh, if you want to find me on Facebook, which is where I post a lot of my individual different junket clips, just search Jake Hamilton, Fox 32, Chicago. Kevin, yourself? And you can find me at Forrest Gump is a great movie <laughs> and at Sean is wrong. I'm sure those both of those Twitter handles handles. Available, yes. yeah. <laughs> those are available, yes. And I'm Sean underscore right. O'Connell. Um, <laughs> we will be back at this next week. Um, I think we're hammering out a, a date. We'll, we'll post that on social media. We'll put it on the Real Blind account. Um, these are our recommendations. They don't necessarily have to be um, media content recommendations. Sometimes they might be. Sometimes they might not be. Um, they're just things that are sort of top of mind in our universe right now. And for that reason, I am picking the video game... Uh, Fortnite, which I'm playing on PlayStation 4 and am mildly obsessed with, uh, probably because my boys got me really hooked on it. Have you guys played this yet? Have you no, tried it? No, I, I don't really play no. a ton. I have a PS4. I don't play a ton of video games. I, I'd like to get into them more. but It's an open world battle royale. You drop out of a school bus into a into a land and you just have to sort of survive and people shoot at you and you shoot at them and it's 
a hundred people drop into every game and it's whoever's number one at the end of it. It's, it's super compelling. And every time you die, which I do often, um, you immediately want to start playing it again. And so it feeds my, my addiction like that. So, um, Kevin, you have a great recommendation, uh, again, born of the text chain. So go ahead. I'm still, I'm still playing my super Nintendo, by the way, I actually went, I just dropped it off to get it fixed yesterday. Did you really? Uh, Today actually. Yeah. I'm I'm playing killer instinct and, and you called the number, didn't you? Yeah, I literally did. Well, N64 to me is the greatest system ever made. GoldenEye. GoldenEye, baby. 64. Um, timeless. Uh, but yeah, funny story is I actually, I was at my buddy's house and N64 wasn't working. So I, I turned it around and called the Nintendo number on the back and they answered and they helped me through it. It was unbelievable. That's so funny. Um, wow. All right, so I reckon, yeah, it's crazy. My recommendation this week uh, is Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. Um <laughs> And, I, and listen, I know that sounds goofy, and I, I, I'm a big defender of, like, certain comedies that get thrown into this, like, parody category or satire, whatever category they get put into is not great films. Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping is one of the funniest films I've ever seen. Uh, there's a scene that takes place in that movie in the limo when they're trying to reunite Andy's character with um, Akiva, uh, Akiva's character. And it deals with a window going up in someone's private part. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. That whole movie is just incredible. Um, incredible thoughts, like this music, uh, every song. Um, I think the Lonely Island are just geniuses because they actually write songs that are actually good while also playing around and having fun and being, like, joking. Um, but I just think that movie is just highly underrated. It bombed the box office. Uh, I've seen it at least seven or eight times my wife and i watch it all the time we have style boys sweatshirts um i love it so <laughs> pop star never stop never stopping give it a chance if you've never seen it it's very funny the first time you watch it, you might be like the heck was that but then you're on repeat viewing till we download the soundtrack it's amazing jake you have another old yeah. movie to recommend uh, i do but actually I, I will say i agree with kevin's pop star i, I did not see it in theaters <laughs> I think I caught it maybe on HBO or Netflix whenever it so came out good. and really uh, kicked myself for not <laughs> seeing it earlier. So I, I'm with you. It's actually very funny. Um, on the topic of, of Tom Hanks, uh, just because I, I started watching it again, I've probably seen it probably close to 10 times. Uh, you know, we've been talking about his best performances and, and, and my favorite movie of his is Road to Perdition. Um, but I actually think his most underrated film is a little, well, not little, a, a big film that he did a few years ago that also bombed a big called Cloud Atlas. Um, very much a study of... Uh, 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 de- destiny and uh, reincarnation, and it's uh, you know, a handful of roles uh, played by a handful of. Actually, I take that back. A lot of roles played by a handful of actors in six different timelines: three in the past, uh, one today, and then two in the future. Um, just really, I think a movie that was misunderstood in its time. That I think in fifty years we're going to look back on and go like, you know, we really we missed the boat on that. Um, it's uh, from the Wachowski sisters. And one other director, because each director got two timelines. Yes. Tom Tickfer. And they they blend so well together, and how it didn't get uh, an editing Oscar nomination blows my mind, because it's six uh, different individual storylines that stream into one really beautiful storyline about life and, and, and good and evil, and, and how sort of what we do echoes into eternity, and and it's just a really, really beautiful film that I'm still... A, I, I'm starting to hear more of a rumbling now. It came out in 2012. 
I'm starting to hear more and more people say, you know what, I was wrong. I went back and watched that. And I think if that's starting to happen just within six years, that within mm-hmm. 60 years, we're going to hear a lot more of that. Yeah, so, it's super so give ambitious. it another shot. Yeah. It's super ambitious, and I think it was really out of its time. And uh, yeah. I'm glad people are starting to come around to it. It was really yeah. good. So um, this is Real Blend, episode number 15. Uh, Hank's Blend was today's episode. Uh, we will be Streep Blend next week. We'll have the time on all of our social media channels. On behalf of the boys, thank you very much for listening to us. We'll be back at it on Cinema Blend's Facebook page and uh, on all the places where you download your favorite podcasts. Talk to you guys next week. Dunkirk! 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 This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.